0: The Orioles' offense, once again, simply did not show up this weekend, and it led them to a series loss to the Boston Red Sox, putting their playoff hopes on life support here in early September. I'll recap the weekend, get you my three big takeaways coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey there Orioles fans. Today is Monday, September 12th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. As always, I'm your host Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, We're going to recap a tough weekend for the Orioles. They lose two out of three to the Boston Red Sox, dropping the series that finishes a two and five week for the O's that puts them five and a half games back of a wild card spot. I'm going to get you my three big takeaways from the weekend, having to do with the offensive woes for the Orioles. Jordan Lyles looking like he was still a little sick and the rest of the pitching trying to pick up the slack, but not being able to quite do enough without the bats. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. Before we get there though, just did want to thank you for making Lockdown Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms. Monday through Friday, we've got brand new episodes covering the Orioles here. In this playoff chase. And remember we're here on YouTube as well. Make sure to subscribe to the Locked on Orioles YouTube channel. You could be entered to win some Orioles cards. We'll be doing a giveaway later this week. But you have to be subscribed to Locked on Orioles on YouTube. And we thank you the subscriber and you the listener. For making Locked on Orioles your first listen of the day. For your first listen today. Orioles and Red Sox, a three-game series over the weekend at Oriole Park at Camden Yards that finished up a really important 10-game homestand for the Orioles. While the homestand started out in a solid way, they took two out of three over the Oakland Athletics. They then lost three of four to the Blue Jays and capped it off this weekend by losing two of three to the Boston Red Sox. Orioles won the game Friday 3-2 to to take the series opener but it was all downhill from there. They gave up their most runs of the season in a 17-4 loss on Saturday, and then the Bats, maybe the worst performance of the year, in a 1-0 loss to the Red Sox on Sunday. Drops the O's to 73-67 and now on the season with 22 games to play. They sit five and a half games back of Toronto, six games back of Seattle, and six games back of Tampa Bay in the AL wildcard standings at the moment. Still alive, don't get me wrong, but chances looking a lot worse after this weekend. So I'm going to get you my three big takeaways from the weekend. It starts with the Orioles' offense, which was, I mean, the takeaway is they were frankly abysmal this weekend. The Orioles, seven runs on 16 hits all weekend. Three Friday, four Saturday, and none on Sunday, they went a combined three for 16 on the weekend with runners in scoring position, which is bad for two reasons. One, obviously, three for 16 is not where you want to be. That is below a 200 average. But the fact that you only got 16 chances with runners in scoring position with three games tells you that not only are they not coming through in those spots, they weren't getting a lot of base runners into those scoring chances over the weekend. They had 23 hard-hit balls over the three games. Not a horrible number, but not great either. And, you know, a lot of talk went into, obviously, what happened Sunday. That was the most glaring issue. The Orioles get shut out. They come up with only three hits in the game. And in a game when Kyle Bradish pitches well, the bullpen keeps him in it, which we'll talk about, you know, they only give up one run. Boston scored in the top of the first inning on a Xander Bogart sack fly to make it 1-0 on Sunday. That was the only run of the whole game. And the Orioles had their chances, but they went 0-7 for with runners in scoring position on Sunday. And it was as simple as that. I mean, I think the inning that basically culminated everything that's been bad about the Orioles' offense was what happened... In the bottom of the fifth inning on Sunday. Now, the Orioles were facing Rich Hill, who had given up nine earned runs over just eight innings in his previous two starts. And the 42 year old lefty comes out there, pretty much dominates the Orioles through four scoreless. But he comes out in the fifth, facing the bottom of the order. And Rugnet Odor is hit by a pitch, a slider that just gets away from Hill. And then props to Robinson Chirinos. He draws an eight pitch walk in which he was very patient, fouled off a lot of pitches and got himself on base. And all of a sudden, Odor and Chirino, so both been pretty bad at the plate this year, especially lately, make it first and second with nobody out for the top of the order. And, you know, I know that Cedric Mullins and Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson all did not get the start against the lefty on Sunday. But you still have Ryan McKenna up there, who really has hit lefties well, you know, right around a 300 average against left-handers this season for Ryan McKenna. But, Brandon Hyde puts the bunt on. And, as listeners may know, not a fan of the sack bunt ever. But this one I get a little bit because the Orioles have struggled to hit so badly. Hyde feeling like, okay, McKenna is a solid bunter. If he can get one down, get a second and third with one out. We're playing for one or two runs here. Maybe, you know, with the middle part of the order coming up with Santander and Mountcastle, they will at least give us a sack fly or something. And at the very least, because we're struggling so much, let's tie this game at one and go from there. And I kind of got that thinking. But of course, what does McKenna do? Well, he pops up the bunt on the first pitch into foul territory. There's out number one. And then Santander strikes out, and then Mountcastle strikes out, and there's your inning. And the O's had a couple more chances down the stretch. I mean, they got Odor to second with nobody out in the seventh and couldn't bring him home. But that inning just was a microcosm because they actually got guys on base, and then it's just forcing the issue a little bit because they're pressing with the bunt, of course. And then the strikeouts have continued to be an issue. It's hurting to watch this Oriole offense. And name-wise and production-wise, they're not terrible. This is not a bottom five offense in baseball this year by any stretch. But they're not playing well right now. And again, I know there was talk about what that lineup looked like. It didn't look pretty. Adley Rutschman getting you know a day off. He usually gets on Sundays. Mostly he'll DH. But because... It was a lefty in Rich Hill. He struggled against lefties. He sits. Did, of course, pinch hit in the ninth, make the final out of the game. Cedric Mullins has struggled against lefties. McKenna's been good. So McKenna starts and Mullins sits. And Gunnar Henderson, for the first time since getting called up, was on the bench. And Henderson was... I mean, he was a pinch hitter in the sixth inning. So he still played in this game. He has not sat a full game since getting called up. He deserved a day off at some point. But at the end of the day, A, if the other guys aren't hitting... And other stuff isn't working. I mean, why not try a lineup that looked like that? Obviously, it didn't work. But the O's offense has been so bad, it kind of feels like it's at the point where let's mix some things up a little bit. Let's put out a lineup that they had on Sunday. But the other point is, everybody's struggling. Even if Rutchman and Mullins and Henderson were in that lineup from the get-go, and again, they all played and all had at least one at-bat in the game, I don't know if it would have been that different. It's been just spreading across the team. I mean, Cedric Mullins, who struck out in his only at-bat in the ninth inning Sunday, he's the only guy who was hitting all weekend. Jorge Mateo, 0 for 7 on the weekend. Ramon Arias, 1 for 9. Ryan Mountcastle, 2 for 11. Adley Rutschman, 0 for 8 on the weekend. Jesus Aguilar, we saw start twice, 0 for 6. I don't think he's going to be an Oriole for much longer. He's 1 for 18 in an Oriole uniform. Anthony Santander, 2 for 10. Austin Hayes. 2 for 10. Rugnet Odor, 0 for 5. That was everybody's stats in just this three-game series against the Red Sox this weekend. And yet, yeah, it was awesome that the O's got the win Friday night. But they basically got that win Friday night like we'll talk about because they pitched well out of the bullpen. And they got their only big hit of the weekend on Friday. All three of those runs came in one inning. It was in the sixth inning. Of course, Xander Bogarts had the two-run homer in the third to put the Red Sox up 2-0 on Friday. The O's got three in the sixth. That was their only scoring. They load the bases. They score a run on a pass ball. Mountcastle draws a walk to load the bases again. And Gunnar Henderson comes through with a two-run single to put the O's up 3-2. And they still made a couple more outs with multiple runners on. Didn't score again, but the bullpen held on even without Felix Bautista to get that 3-2 win. But that was it. That was the one big hit they had all weekend, and that is an issue. And again, it's not just, oh, Chirinos is playing. Oh, McKenna's playing. That's why there's not scoring. Nobody's hitting. Nobody's hitting, and that's an issue. Rutschman's been solid, and Mullins was good this weekend. But some guys just got to step up and produce, especially five through nine in the order, and nobody's doing it right now. And it's costing them playoff chances because as well as they can possibly pitch at times, if you can't hit, you're not going to keep up with the team you're chasing, the Toronto Blue Jays, who you could argue have the best offense in the American League. It's not going to work out for you if you're hitting the ball like this. But the hitting wasn't the only problem the Orioles had this weekend in the series loss because... After winning the opening game on Friday, they sent Jordan Lyles finally back to the Hill on Saturday, but he did not look like himself, and he got roughed up. And We'll talk about why that was the case coming up next. But first, as you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders, and LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free you can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. They've got simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to hire. And as someone who's been on the other side of this, LinkedIn works. And it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one, delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. So LinkedIn Jobs, it helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. And did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnMLB. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnMLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So the Orioles lose two out of three this weekend at home to the Boston Red Sox. They're now five and a half back of the Toronto Blue Jays. Toronto took two out of three from the Texas Rangers. Seattle, they took two of three from the Atlanta Braves. And Tampa actually did lose their series in the Bronx. They took just one of three from the Yankees this weekend. So the O's just kind of kept pace with Tampa and lost a game to Seattle and Toronto. Not a good weekend in the wildcard race. And I talked about the offense. It was terrible, plain and simple. It was the main number one, no doubt about it, reason why they lost this series. But my second big takeaway from the weekend is that Jordan Lyles was clearly not okay yet when he made his start on Saturday. Now, we know Lyles was supposed to start way back on Monday in one of the games of the Orioles doubleheader against the Blue Jays, but he woke up feeling sick And told Brandon Hyde he felt he could still go, so Hyde scheduled him as the Game 2 starter. And then I was in the ballpark for this, Jordan Lyles warming up in the bullpen, and about 10 minutes before first pitch, he goes back into the clubhouse, decides he can't go, and he's scratched, and the Orioles say he has a stomach bug. So the O's had to start Keegan Aiken, basically do a bullpen game, and of course lost the back end of that doubleheader on Monday. So then he was away from the team for a couple of days with the sickness, rejoined the team late in the week, and after the Orioles had optioned Spencer Watkins down to AAA Norfolk, who was originally scheduled to be Saturday's starter, looked like Jordan Lyles was healthy enough to easily kind of slide into that spot and finally make his start on Saturday against Boston. And the O's were excited to get their innings eater back, but that's not exactly what he did. He may have eaten some bad innings, and he was still feeling the effects. And, you know, you could tell from the very beginning that he just was not okay. And I mean, it's not just what happened in the first inning, which was bad. He goes walk, single, hit by pitch, and then 2-0 pitch, Rafael Devers' grand slam to start the game. It's 4-0 Red Sox at the top of the first before Lyles even recorded an out in Saturday's outing. So that wasn't good. And obviously, you're going to look at that outing and say this is bad. But when you dive even deeper into how he looked on the mound and what the stuff looked like, I mean, you could even tell the leadoff A.B., of the game, you know, with Tommy Pham up there, when he walks him, you could immediately tell something's wrong. The fastball velocity was a concerning amount down. His fastball averaged 89.3 miles per hour on Saturday. Now, guys get people out at 89.3, but that's not where Lyle sits. His hardest fastball that he threw in Saturday's game was 91.4 miles an hour. Obviously, that's a little better. His season average fastball coming into Saturday, 91.7 miles per hour. That is not good. If your hardest pitch is still slower than your season average, and remember, at 89.3, he was 2.4 miles per hour slower on his fastball on average Saturday than his season average. That is a concerning drop. When it drops about a mile per hour, sometimes that happens. When it drops... Two and a half miles an hour on average, you know, something is just not right. And credit to Jordan Lyles for after the grand slam getting the next three outs, putting up a zero in the second, a zero in the third, and then he just kind of lost it again in the fourth, couldn't make it out of the fourth inning, and it just started the snowball effect basically for the Orioles bullpen in a game where they gave up 17 runs, a season high. Lyles. Ended up going three and two-thirds, eight runs, seven hits, a strikeout, a walk, a homer, 77 pitches. And the velocity was not there. And then, of course, you know you have Keegan Aiken give up a couple more runs. Then, I mean, a disastrous first Orioles outing for Yenier Cano, who, I mean, the O's tried to get him through the eighth and the ninth. And, you know, he gave up one run in the eighth. They were trying not to use a position player. And Cano just could not get that third out of the ninth inning. So Ryan McKenna had to pitch. And Cano at the end of the day gets charged with seven runs on six hits with three Ks and three walks over an inning and two thirds. He was then optioned to Norfolk, and Mike Bauman is back with the team as of Sunday out of the bullpen. At least we got to see Ryan McKenna pitch, and he does, you know, he did get the final out and does have a zero ERA at the moment, but. It was not good for Jordan Lyles. And he tried to, to mix in the other pitches. You know, he's been throwing his slider more often recently. He ended up using his slider 26 times. That was his most used pitch. And some of that had to do with the fact he just didn't have his fastball velocity, but he didn't have the slider velocity. I mean, the slider was averaging 77.8 miles an hour. That pitch averages 80 miles an hour on the year. That was down two miles an hour. His curveball velocity was down two miles an hour. The only pitch up in velo was his changeup that went from averaging 86 to 87. And that's usually a a spot that looks like, you know, you're fatigued and something's going on. And now Lyles talked after the game, obviously saying he didn't have his best stuff. um, And he just, you know, didn't feel his best on the mound. And, you know, he felt like he let the team down. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully, and this is obviously the most logical conclusion, His body was worn down. I'm sure he lost a little weight. If he got a a stomach virus like it sounded like he did where he was away from the team for a few days, that can get to you. Let me tell you, that can get to your body. And it's hard to recover physically that quickly. And maybe he felt like, and the Orioles felt like he was ready and maybe he just wasn't 100% and he felt it out there on the mound. And so that is the hope, that it's just that. And when he pitches again, when the Orioles are going to absolutely need him, This weekend in Toronto, he's going to be scheduled to start again, that he'll be back to 100%, his normal velo, his normal self, and he'll eat some innings for the Orioles against the Blue Jays. But it just kind of shows, you know, how much it shook up the O's to not have Lyles pitch on Monday, to not have him all week, and then to have him not himself on Saturday and to give up a season-high 17 runs and to have a use a position player pitching for only the second time all season. The other one was Chris Owings back on May 31st in a 10-0 loss to the Mariners. It was not good for Jordan Lyles. And again, hopefully it's just the stomach bug. He's going to be back and good to go. But it makes you wonder, you know, why did he start that game if he clearly didn't have it and maybe he felt good in the bullpen and then all of a sudden things just went away? That happens at times. But it just was something almost that continued to snowball for the Orioles where It was just the worst break. We talked about it this week. Just the worst luck to have Lyles get scratched. Your innings eater get scratched in game two of a doubleheader of that importance. That was some of the worst luck I've seen the Orioles have in half a decade, what happened to them on Monday. And then to have him just not have that velocity back when everybody felt like he was good to go, just another terrible break for the O's. And it kind of feels like things were, were really breaking the O's way a lot of this season to keep them in this wild card race. It's just these couple of things with Lyles and others, they seem to kind of be breaking the other way. And it stinks. And hopefully he's good to go his next time out, but just was not himself on Saturday. But luckily for the O's, I mean, in the win on Friday and the entire game Sunday, the rest of the pitching staff was themselves and gave the Orioles a chance Despite giving up 17 runs Saturday, gave them a good chance to win this series, which the offense just didn't take advantage of. And coming up next for my final takeaway, we're going to talk about the rest of that pitching and how they might have to be the ones to keep the O's in this playoff race if they're going to stay in it here in September. So the Orioles lose the series two out of three to the Red Sox to drop them to 73 and 67 on the year. Off day coming up today before the Orioles go to D.C., a quick little two-game series battle of the beltways, Orioles and Nats at Nationals Park Tuesday and Wednesday, then another off-day Thursday before they basically fight for their lives in Toronto for a three-game series this weekend. And I talked about this series kind of feeling like it buried the Orioles a little bit, now five and a half back, the offense isn't there. They're still not mathematically eliminated by any stretch of the imagination, and if they play Even okay baseball, they should be able to take two games from the Nats, and then things are right in front of them again with three games in Toronto. So they can still get right back into this. But the offense, as we talked about, doesn't look like it's going to get them into it. And if anybody's going to keep them in it, it's going to be this pitching staff. Because despite what I talked about with Jordan Lyles, and despite the Orioles giving up 17 runs in Saturday's game, they gave up a combined three runs in the other two games. And if the Orioles' offense had anything close to a pulse on Sunday, they would have escaped this with a series win, and we would have felt much better here on this episode. Because let's start with Friday. And listen, it is a little concerning that, once again, the O's had a short start from Austin Voth in Friday's game. He goes just four innings, allowing two runs on five hits, five Ks, two walks, and a homer. Took him 88 pitches to get through those four innings, and he gave up eight hard-hit balls as well. Just once again did not have the best stuff, but he grinded his way through those four innings and hopefully the stuff will return. And he did have 10 whiffs and he had eight on the curveball. That curveball was going crazy, but he did not throw his sweeper. You could tell he just maybe didn't have the feel for that pitch. He was going basically all fastball, curveball all day. So we'll see if that changes moving forward. But the bullpen came in and basically kept Boston right where they were. After Bogarts hits the two-run homer off both in the third, it's a 2-0 game, D.L. Hall comes in. Shout out to a big bounce back outing for D.L. Hall after the rough one on Monday. He throws an inning and a third scoreless out of the pen. Then how about Jake Reed, the sidewinding righty for the O's? I think he's sticking in this Oriole bullpen for the rest of the year and maybe even longer. He records four outs on six pitches, four outs scoreless. Those were a huge four outs in the middle of the game for the Orioles. Then C.N.L. Perez struggled a little bit but got the big out he needed. Brian Baker gets two outs, and then a four out save from Dylan Tate with a strikeout gave the O's a three to two win. And they did all of that without Felix Bautista. You know, we were a little worried when, you know, the O's were leading three to two, and Brian Baker came out of the bullpen in the top of the eighth inning. You know, after the O's had an off day Thursday, you had the whole bullpen rested. And CNL Perez faced the lefties in the seventh. You kind of figured, well, Dylan Tate gets the eighth, Bautista gets the ninth, and you try and get out of here with a one run win. But as soon as Baker came out of the bullpen, that's when you knew, okay, either Dylan Tate or Felix Bautista has something going on and they are not available. And then when Baker struggled a little bit, although he got two outs, allowed only one hit, and we saw Dylan Tate warming, that's when you knew, okay, it's clearly Felix Bautista who is not good to go. And Tate came in, got a big strikeout after committing an error in the eighth to get out of a jam, and then rolls a double play to end the game in the ninth, gets a four-out save. And the O's didn't have Bautista. He had some arm fatigue. Bautista did say, although he didn't pitch all weekend, that he was ready to go Saturday and Sunday if the Orioles needed him. So it seems like he'll be fine for Tuesday night in D.C. But the O's bullpen, five scoreless innings out of the pen, four hits. And here's the interesting part. One strikeout, two walks in five innings. They did all that with one strikeout. You know how they did it? No hard contact. Four hard hit balls in those five innings. They just didn't miss bats, but they got soft contact. They let the defense make plays behind them. And it was big for the O's because the offense, they got that hit from Gunnar Henderson. That was about it. They got five hits and they won that game. And then, of course, you, know, you have what happened Saturday, 17 runs. But then you come back on Sunday... And it's kind of a different story. You know, Saturday, Friday was, eh, Austin Voth, okay, bullpen has to pick him up, and they do, which has happened many times this year. But Sunday was just Kyle Bradish jumping right back on it for the O's. You know, we know Bradish had the back-to-back amazing starts. He threw the eight scoreless in Houston. He threw the seven scoreless in Cleveland. And then in his biggest start of the year, he fumbled a little bit, pitching Tuesday night against the Blue Jays. Allowed some hits, allowed some runs, did not even record an out in the fourth inning, and the Oriole bullpen had to pick him up and win that Tuesday game. Well, Bradish comes right back on Sunday and gives the Orioles every chance they could need to win that game. I mean, he you know, allows Tommy Pham to reach to start the game. Pham steals second, goes to third on a grounder, scores on a sack fly. Boston goes up one nothing in the top of the first, And then Bradish just shuts him down. Seven innings, one run on just two hits, three strikeouts, and two walks on 93 pitches for Kyle Bradish. Just seven hard hit balls. He had the stuff working. And again, it wasn't the crazy swing and miss stuff we've seen him have at times. But it was the good on the corners of the zone, soft contact stuff. Eight whiffs on 39 swings for Braddish, three on the four-seamer, four on the slider. He threw mostly four-seamers, which at times hasn't been his recipe for success, but he did throw a lot of sliders to go along with it as well, which was once again his best pitch on Sunday, and he just kept the O's in it. He threw 19 change-ups. That was one of his biggest change-up days of the year, and he mixed his stuff perfectly. His defense helped him behind him, and the O's just kept this offense in it with Kyle Bradish, and when Bradish leaves after seven, Brian Baker, Dylan Tate, CNL Perez combined to throw a scoreless eighth and ninth to keep it a one nothing game, and the offense just couldn't do it. So you look at what happened Friday with the bullpen stepping up, and you look at what happened Sunday with Bradish stepping up, and you think, you know what? Maybe this Oriole team isn't completely dead in the water because they have this pitching staff. And again, if Jordan Lyles is perfectly healthy again, you add him in there too. They have this staff, and they did all this this weekend without even pitching their best weapon in Felix Bautista and Tyler Wells. You know, he throws two innings on Thursday. Well, Wells looks like he's scheduled to be Wednesday starter in DC. Maybe he can go three innings or four innings in that game, and you're building him back up. And Grayson Rodriguez had a good-looking rehab start on Sunday in Double A Bowie. He's getting closer, so the pitching looks like it continues to be there for the Orioles, even though it hasn't been as good the starting pitching lately, it's still the much better part of this team and can be the part that keeps this team in the race. The offense is going to have to hit somehow. But if the O's pitching can keep them in games like they did Friday and like they did Sunday, and maybe there will be a couple games that look kind of like Saturday, but if you win two out of three, you stay in the race. That was so frustrating about a 1-0 loss on Sunday against a not very good Red Sox team. This pitching could keep them in it. It really could. The offense has got to wake up. But it's crazy how we're here and we trust this pitching more than the Oriole offense. Who would have thought that would even be the case coming into this year? That's kind of the big point. The O's are 73 and 67. They're still alive in September. Who would have thought that in general would have been the case at the beginning of the year? So it's okay to love where the Orioles are. Be happy with how it's going, but also be a little disappointed with this offensive performance as well. I think this pitching, though, I think it can keep them in the race. The question is, can somebody get some big hits? Hopefully, that starts to happen coming up in these next few games for the Orioles. But as I mentioned, they do have the day off today. Hopefully, can get in the cage and figure something out. For those Oriole bats. And the next up, as I mentioned, two games in D.C., two must-win games against a terrible Washington Nationals team on Tuesday and Wednesday. But before that, I'll be back with you here on the pod on Tuesday. We'll preview game one between the Orioles and the Nats. And we will talk about an Oriole roster move over the weekend. They claimed a catcher on waivers, what it could mean for the Orioles roster for the rest of this season. And then we'll continue our Orioles MLB draft profile series, looking at the guys the Orioles selected in the 2022 Major League Baseball draft. But that's all coming up on tomorrow's episode. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.